Today we're going to be looking in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 6. And so if you have your Bible and you'd like to turn there, I'll encourage you to do that as we are, uh, we are going through a series right now. We're calling it First. It is a, a stewardship series. It is a series about our, our calling by God to be a giving people. And so today we're going to be talking about the principles of giving. And I always, to be honest with you, I really enjoy, I really enjoy the idea and the thought process behind giving because I believe that it is something that as believers that we can do that is, it's tangible. You know, it's something that I can know that I am doing and I am being obedient physically to what God has called me to do. Uh, but if you have your Bible, if you want to go ahead and turn there, that's, that will be fine. I'll, I'll just share with you a story uh, that I like. It's a story about a lady that had uh, gone to the mall, and she was going to buy, go into a coffee shop in order to get some coffee and buy some cookies, sit down and eat, just kind of enjoy a nice little uh, moment of, of sanity while, she was, while her kids were away. And so she went into the mall, went to the coffee shop, bought some coffee, had a magazine, got a bag of cookies, and she's carrying her purse, and she put them in her purse, and she was looking for a place to sit down, and it was, it was jam-packed, and there was, there was only one place where she could sit, and it was a table where there was a man, there was one chair there, and the man was sitting on the other side, so she went over there, and that man was reading the paper. She sat down, set her purse down, started drinking her coffee, reading her magazine, and uh, she you know, kind of getting hungry, decided she'd go ahead and eat one of her cookies, so she reached over and grabbed a cookie, and she's looking at her magazine, looks up, and, and the guy reading the newspaper, he has got the newspaper down, and he's also eating a cookie. Well, he's a little bit frustrated, thinking, that guy just snagged one of my cookies. And so, you know, she just decided, I'm going to let that go. And so she continues to read her magazine. She's eating, and she reaches over for another one. And when she does, her hand bumps into that guy as he's reaching for a cookie as well. Now, that just about sent her over the edge. And that guy, he looked at her, he smiled, and starts eating the cookie. And so she's furious. I mean, she gave, gave him the dirtiest look that she could find. And uh, guys, if you've ever received a dirty look from your wife, you know, that is a dirty look. And so that guy's like, well, what is going on? So she begins to read again, and then she looks up, and there's one cookie left. And the guy takes the cookie, and he splits it in half. And he gives her half of it, and he eats it, and he's smiling, and she's done. I mean, she gets up, she grabs her purse, and she goes, that's just so sickening. And she walks off, and she's opening up her purse. She's going to put her magazine in the purse. When she opens her purse... The bag of cookies that she bought were in her purse. The entire time, she had been eating his cookies. Now, as you can imagine, she was a little bit embarrassed, but she decided to go ahead and leave so she would not have to go back and apologize. Now, I love that story. And I sit there and look at that story, and she got exactly what she deserves. But here's the thing. Y'all, I'm just like that lady. I'm just like that lady in this way. I see stuff, and I think this. I think everything belongs to me. I mean, when it comes to the road, if y'all don't know this, that road out there, that is my road. And so if you get in my way, move, because it belongs to me. And so all the stuff that I have, I believe that it is mine. But as you get older and you begin to move, move on in life, you begin to under, at least I hope I do more and more, but you begin to understand that not everything is yours. As a matter of fact, there is nothing that belongs to you. Psalm 24.1 says the earth is the Lord's. I think we can all buy that. Yeah, God made it. And then it says, and everything in it. Okay, now that is true. If the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, then the question I have is, then, well, then what's mine? 
You know, what belongs to me? And what I discover is this, nothing belongs to me. Everything belongs to God, and what I have, I have been called all the way back in the book of Genesis, is to simply be a steward of everything that God has allowed me to have. It doesn't belong to me, it belongs to God. And so the goal today in our passage of Scripture that we're going to look at is to begin to understand that everything belongs to God, and God has called me or has given me some principles in Scripture on how to be a person who is a good steward with what God has provided me. Uh, we are told this by Jesus in Acts 20, 35. Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So the question for us that we have to answer is, do we believe that? I mean, is it really more blessed to give than to receive? And if it is, then what am I going to do to actually live out and prove what Jesus had to say? Well, our text today is going to point out to us a few principles for giving that will enable us and help us to be a generous people. And that's why we're looking in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Now, the background to this passage of Scripture, I think it's kind of a, it's, it's an interesting passage of Scripture because there was uh, some, some things going on in the church in Jerusalem that had really left the people there destitute. And so some churches in the Macedonian region heard about it. Now, in this region, the people that were in those churches, they didn't have a whole lot. You know, they, they, had, they, they were a, a poor people, they were not a financially blessed people, but they came together and they said, we are going to take care of our brothers in Jerusalem. We're going to take up an offering for them. We are going to be generous. And it blew Paul away when he saw this. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses, eight uh, verses 1 through 3, Paul wrote, Now brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Here's what he said about them. He said, out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty, it welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Now when I read that, here's what I learned. To be a generous person does not mean that you have to have the kind of wealth that Bill Gates has. To be a generous person does not mean that you have to have a large bank account. Here's the deal. Anybody can be generous. And the people who are to be the most generous of all people are to be God's people. So the question is, how can I be generous? You know, what, what are some principles that I can follow to truly be a generous person? And here's the very first principle I see in our text today. To truly be generous, take this principle to heart, and that is this. You will reap what you sow. If we're going to be generous people, we have to come to the understanding that what we put into this life, into this world, eventually we're going to reap it. You will reap what you sow. Verse number 6 it says, remember this, the person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Now, my guess is that most of you are familiar with that statement. You're going to reap what you sow. Have you all heard that before? 
I mean, I've heard that in a lot of different scenarios. I've heard my mother say that to me when she was not happy with me. You're going to reap what you sow. Now, that is an absolutely true statement. I mean, that's true for farmers. If a farmer goes out and he, and he plants a ton of corn, what kind of crop is he going to produce? I mean, is, is, is he going to plant corn and then tobacco is going to grow out of the ground? You know, peanuts going to come up. No, if you plant corn, you're going to get corn, right? Or candy corn as we're heading into Halloween, which, by the way, is like just, that is, that is manna. That is from God. So, you know, that, but that is, that you, you always, whatever it is you plant, that's what you're going to grow. Okay, now if you plant a lot of it, and somebody else just plants a little bit, the guy who plants a lot, just in general, he's going to get a lot more than the guy who didn't plant as much. And that's what Scripture tells us. Paul tells us today, if you, you, know, if you sow sparingly, what are you going to reap? Reap sparingly. If you sow generously, what, what, are, you going to, what are you going to reap? Well, you're going to reap generously. Now, that all sounds nice and good, and we say, well, I can agree with that, especially in the farming world. That's really nice. But guys, it's true in your life as well. The way that you live... The things that you invest in, eventually, you're going to have a harvest for whatever it is that you have planted and spent your time in, in life. And for many people, though, we might know that, but for many of us, whenever it comes to being generous, we struggle with that. We struggle with the idea of generosity, and we struggle with the idea of giving, because if you're like me, you like to think everything belongs to you, and you want to keep it for yourself, you want to hoard it, you don't want to share it, and yet Scripture tells us that when we are willing to release what God has given to us, it is then that God begins to bless. Now, why in the world would God do something like that? Because, guys, whenever we are generous, we are demonstrating our faith in God by showing God that we trust Him. God, it doesn't belong to me, Lord, it is yours, and I want to use what you've given me in order to be a blessing to other people. It is a demonstration of our faith in God. Now, you might say, well, what kind of giving are you talking about? Because I know a lot of people, they say, it's the preacher, and we know what he's talking about today. He's talking about money. Okay, well, let me go ahead before I get there, because I am, but I'm going to talk about something else, too. Whenever we talk about being generous and giving, talking about being generous and giving in your service, in your time. You know, one, one of the things that we really do, that we really desire at Village Church is for us to be a group of believers who are willing to be generous in serving. In serving our community, serving people, not for ourselves, but so that people will see that Jesus cares about them. I mean, Jesus said this in Matthew 23, 11, the greatest among you will be your servants. That's why I want to encourage you. If, you're talking, if we're talking about giving, I want you to be looking up for opportunities that we have here at Village Church where you can plug in and you can begin to serve. Because God desires for us to be a generous people when it comes to our service. That's why we're doing Lakes Carolina. Y'all, we're not doing that because we just love Halloween so much. We are doing it because it is an opportunity for us to go out into the community and to serve the community and let them know we find you worth investing in because Jesus found us worth investing in. He cares about you. But it also, whenever we talk about giving, it also includes your finances. And this is where you can begin to get a little bit itchy and squirmy. Now at this point, I'm, I want you, I'm speaking to followers of Jesus here. 
for those who are followers of Christ. Did you know that if you are a follower of Christ, you have been called to be generous in your giving financially? Did you know that? The Bible says that your starting point for giving as believers, it is a tithe. Now, I want to ask y'all, have y'all heard of the tithe before? Y'all heard that? What does tithe mean? Y'all know? Yeah, all of a sudden, every sign. We don't, I've never heard of that. Hey, come on, y'all. What's tithe mean? Give me a percentage here. Ten. Y'all are good. Okay, so 10%. Now, I, t- I always tell this in our discovery class that we do. Because of inflation, it's now 25. So, I say, anyway, I'm just kidding. It's 10%. So, God calls his people. He says, I want you to give in your service. Because when we give our time and we serve people, it demonstrates our heart to other people of the love that we have for God. But now God says, I want you to demonstrate your trust and your faith in me by you giving of your finances. And that's 10%. And let me tell you something. I believe God does that because God knows. You know, we're so willing to give a lot of things, but man, when it comes to what we think is ours, we, we struggle letting go of it. God says, I have called my people that their beginning point of giving is 10%. Now, you might look at that and think, man, that sounds good in theory, but there is no way I can afford that. And, and I understand what it means to be pinched financially, but let me tell you something. If you're faithful in your giving... Let me tell you something. God will bless. Now you might say, well, you're a preacher, and you're just saying that. I want you to know, I didn't say that. God said that. God said if you were faithful in your giving, God says, I will bless. Listen to what Malachi 3.10 says. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Speaking, this is us, we're the storehouse here. And, then, and here's what God says. He says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. God says, if you're faithful in your giving, God says, I will bless you. Mark Batterson, who wrote the book, The Circle Maker, he wrote another book called All In. And here's what he had to say about giving. He said, I cannot prove this quantitatively, but I know it's true. The more you give away, the more you will enjoy what you have. If you give God the tithe, you'll enjoy the 90%. You keep 10% more. You'll also discover that God can do more with 90% than you can do with 100%. Most of us spend most of our lives accumulating the wrong things. We bought into the consumerist lie that more is more. But in God's upside-down economy, our logic is backward. You ultimately lose whatever you keep, and you ultimately keep whatever you lose for the cause of Christ. Guys, when we give, God blesses. God honors it. Now the question is, what are you doing? You know, what are you doing in your giving. There, there was a girl that had, uh, her father was teaching her the lesson about saving money, and he gave her a piggy bank. He said, you know, you take your, your nickels and your dimes and your quarters and all that you get, and he said, I mean, you start saving that money. And so she was putting, that, putting it in her piggy bank. Then he began to tell her about this thing called interest. He said, you know, and if we take this money, and he said, we go to the bank, we put it in a savings account. And he said, and there's this thing, it's called, he goes, it's called interest. He goes, that means free money. He said, so you take, you put it in the bank, and that, that interest, it'll begin to make its own money. That girl got excited. I mean, she's thinking about shopping. So this is great. I'm, I'm all for free money. 
And so she went, she went with her dad. They opened up a savings account. She took that piggy bank up to the teller, handed it up there, and they counted out the money. And she goes, that is great. So she, she says, I've got your savings account here. And so she gave her little, her little book and handed it to her. And then she steps back, and that little girl just stands there. And she, she says, can I help you with anything else? She said, yeah, I want my interest now. And the, and the girl had not quite learned yet, though, whenever, whenever, you, uh, whenever you sow, there is a time where you have to wait before the harvest comes in. There comes a time whenever you have to step back and, and wait for it. And, and the same thing is true in life. Now, since that is true, there are a couple of things that, that we need to understand about today, or a couple of facts we need to know. The things that happen, we speak about interest building in your life. The things that happen in your life today are happening because of what you sowed yesterday and what you sowed a week ago, a month ago, and a year ago. See, we, we reap the harvest of what we sow. And so you might say, well, I want things to be different. Well, if you do, then let me encourage you to do something. Start sowing good seed today. You want your future to have a different kind of harvest than you need to be sowing today. And that's what Paul was teaching in our scripture over and over again. So listen, whenever, whenever you give, he goes, understand this, you are going to reap what you sow. Now, so there's a lot of us, and, and we look at the stuff that's coming up in our life, like, man, I don't like this. Let me tell you something, you reap what you sow. Now, if we're going to be generous in our giving, then Paul has something else to say, and that is that you'll reap as you sow with right motives. And this is an interesting one to me. He says, you're going to reap what you sow with the right motives. You have to have right motives whenever you are sowing. Verse number 7 says, each person should do as he's decided in his heart, not out of regret or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, with the farmer, motives don't matter. I mean, a farmer goes out and he's you know, he's a jerk, or he's a nice guy, or he's trying to make money, or he's, you know, trying to put food on the table. If he plants corn, he's going to grow corn, right? Motives don't matter. And so a lot of times we think the same thing. I come to church, if I give, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. God doesn't care. You know, I'm, I'm giving because I'm supposed to give. I'm frustrated about it, but I'm doing it anyway. And we think it doesn't matter because God's just interested in the bottom line. That's all he wants you. Money's money, right? With God, that's not true. This is where it's really interesting. With God, it's totally different. God cares about your motives whenever you serve him. Now you sit there and you look at that and think, what in the world? Why does God care about my motives? You know, because it shouldn't matter. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm punching the clock, and that's all that matters. And so God ought to be pleased with that. Guys, God cares about motives. Because here's the deal. And with God, everything's about relationship. And motives always matter in relationships. Now you can try to trick people. Y'all, I can, I can look good, real good right here, but in here, I can look bad. I can trick, trick people into thinking what kind of guy I am, but on the inside, man, I can be dark. Now, you, I can trick y'all, and you can trick me. Let me tell you one who's not going to be tricked, and God's not going to be tricked, because God looks straight into your heart, and he cares about your motives. Hebrews 4.13 says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Now, you just, if you just simply take time to look at that, God lays us bare before him. 
All that stuff we put on the outside, God just strips it away, and he's able to look directly into us to see what kind of person we are. That word laid bare is a wrestling term. It, it's a, it means to take down. Uh, it literally means to, you know, because a wrestler, what's a wrestler's goal? It is, to, it is to control his opponent, am I right, Jim? And to pin him. Jim is a wrestler. Wrestling's, anyway. So anyway, you pin him down. He's, Jim is uh, the Ric Flair of South Carolina. And so, uh, so you pin him down. Now that word laid bare, it actually means to seize you by the throat. It means to seize you by the throat. So what God's going to do, when we stand, it doesn't mean God's going to choke us out. But what it does mean is that God, whenever we are just sort of living life, God's going to grab hold of us. He's going to lay us bare. That means he's going to hold us down to where we can't escape, and he's going to look directly into us to see who we really are. Now, I, now I don't know about you all. I'll tell you this for me. That makes me a little nervous. God, I cannot hide anything from God. Now, you must say, why does God care about my motives? Because it, Motives matter in a relationship. Husbands and wives. And because I'm a guy, I do not speak for ladies. Ladies, let me ask you a question. Does, does it matter your husband's motives and what he does for you? Now, some of y'all might, might be married for a while and say, I don't care anymore, <laughs> just as long as he does something. <laughs> and I tell you, but it, 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 it matters. You know, if you... With Emily, y'all, there's a times when uh, been, there have been times in the past, I, and I think Emily's at that point now, and whatever. But at the early, here's, honey, anything I can do for you? Okay, all of a sudden her radar goes up. So what's up with that? Start doing all this stuff, and I'm doing the dishes. She's like, okay, what's going on? Okay, she's in her mind. There's a couple things she's thinking. One, he's trying to go play golf, or he's trying to go fishing. Okay, now she doesn't care if I do those things, but she doesn't like the game. She's like, if you're going to do something for me, do it for me because, because for me. Okay, this is what God's saying here. If you're going to do something for me, if you're going to be obedient to me, do it not because you're looking to get something out of me, but you do it because you love me. God does not want you to give under duress. He does not want you to be generous because he's beating you over the head. You know, we don't have, whenever our ushers come out, you know, we do the offering baskets, and I hope they're not doing I don't think they're doing it, that we don't have these big burly muscle guys, you know, glaring at you. You said, better put something in or we're going to beat you to death. They don't, we don't do that. Because that's not what we're, we don't want to motivate people out of guilt. We want to motivate people in love. And that's why Jesus, our scripture says, Paul said in verse number seven at the very end, says God loves a, says cheerful giver. You know what the word cheerful means? It's weird to me. It means hilarious. God loves a hilarious giver. Now, I don't know how that plays. I don't mean it doesn't mean we're supposed to be just dying laughing as we give. I don't think that's what it means. But it means that we ought to have joy. We are giving because there is joy. Because of who God is. Because of what God has done for us. God loves, he, he, he wants you to give because you're appreciative of who he is. You know, understand, do you understand we are blessed? We are so blessed. We're, we live here in this country. You know, we are blessed just for living in this country. I read a couple of statistics about how blessed we are. Um, I, I read this. It says, if you have food in the refrigerator, clothes on your back, a roof over your head, then you are richer than 75% of the world. It's pretty phenomenal. Here's the other one. If you have money in the bank, some money in your wallet, some spare change just lying around, you're among the top 8% of the wealthiest people in the world. If you're able to come into the church without fear 
of harassment, torture, or death, you are doing better than over 3 billion people in our world today. Y'all, we are a blessed people. God has taken care of his people. And so I can't think of anything greater because of God's blessings than to give to him because we love him. But not only that, whenever you give, I mean, we, we are making investments that are eternal. You know, and, and just looking at Village Church, in this church when you give, you know, you're, blessing, you're blessing children. There are children right now, right next door. There is a horde of them over there. You know what they're being taught? They're being taught about Jesus. That's significant. We have our, our youth. Whenever they gather together, we have many of them. They are leading in the worship of Jesus Christ. They are going and they are being missionaries in their school to stand up for truth. That's what, that's what happens when you, invest, when you invest in the church, invest in God's work. In our church, part of our offerings go to supporting over 10,000 missionaries overseas and in our country. That's what happens. Whenever you give, you are blessing the ministry of the church. Now, now I look at that and I think, how cool is that? But, but if God, if Jesus could take five loaves of bread and two fish and multiply it to feed thousands of people, just think what he does whenever we are generous to him. He multiplies it. So, you know, what are some principles for us in our giving? Well, understand this, you'll reap what you sow. You'll reap as you sow with right motives. And this is the last one. You will reap while you sow. Now, I'm going to read the last few verses here. Verse number 8. It says, God is able to make every grace overflow to you. Every grace overflow to you. So that in every way, always having everything you need, when you're generous, God says you will have everything you need. You may excel in every good work. As it's written, he's scattered, he's given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now the one who provides seed for the sower and bread for food will provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness as you are enriched in every way for all generosity which produces thanksgiving to God through us. Okay, just real simple. When, when we give, when we're generous with God, you don't just, you don't just, or you're not just making investments for the future, but whenever you are generous, I want you to know that you also reap immediate blessings and benefits. Well, what are they? Well, it says that like the farmer goes out and he plants seed and he has a crop. Well, where do you think he gets his seed from for the next crop? He gets from the crop that have been planted. God says, when you give to me, he says, I'll be generous to you again so that you can continue to be generous. And in verse 11, he says, you will be made rich in every way so that you can be made generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Now, what does it say that will happen in this verse? It says that you'll be made rich in every way. Now, some of you are like, well, that, that sounds good to me. You know, if I, if I give, then that means God is going to give me a lot of money back. And maybe God can do that if he wants to. But that's the, you know, we don't give so that God will make us rich financially. We give because we love God. But God says, but if you give... I'll bless you. I will make you rich in every way. I will bless your investments. Let, let me share with you just a, you know, let me share with you a, the way that God, we've seen God do that. Whenever Emily and I came to Blythewood, we came out to Blythewood and we had our three children and we had people, we knew we were going to start a church in Blythewood and we had people who came to us before anything had ever happened. They said, we want to invest in you. And I'm sitting there thinking, y'all are crazy, but we will take it. Okay, so they were willing to invest in us. 
they saw benefits from investing in the work of God. They, saw that, they first saw that investment began to, began to pay off whenever we had our very first worship services. A church was started. Over, just a little over 100 people showed up on that very first service. They, they saw their investment begin to pay dividends as, as the church began to mature and then this property was bought and in 2009 we built our very first building. They saw their investment begin to produce results as over the years we've seen hundreds and I'm not, y'all, I'm talking hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people come into a relationship with Jesus Christ and be baptized. Now, now here's the lesson. When you give, you will never outgive God. When you are generous, God is even more generous and more generous with you. So how can we be generous? Well, Bible tells us, understand a few principles. You're going to reap what you sow. You and I both, we will reap what we sow. But you'll reap as you sow with right motives, and you'll reap while you sow. Now, in closing, this is, and this is really in particular for believers, it's time for some of you as believers to take God up on this, to begin to be generous. You know, God has blessed us immeasurably more than we can understand. Now, I know that we compare ourselves to each other. We think, well, I haven't been as blessed as that guy. Let me tell you something. Look, big picture. Worldwide, you are the most blessed people in the history of man. Now, did God bless us like that just so that we could hoard it for ourselves? No. He, he wants us to be generous so that we can be a blessing to others, so that God's word will be spread. I say, man, I just, you know, when you talk about giving, especially as believers, you talk about giving a tithe. Man, I, can't, I don't think I can do that. Here's my encouragement for you. Malachi 3.10. Remember the words. Don't remember my words. God's word. What does God say? God says, test me in this. So how do I test him in it? Give. When do I give? Next Sunday, we have church. There's going to be some guys. They're going to walk around these little baskets, and they're going to pass them around. And here's my challenge for you. Next Sunday, bring a tithe and see what happens. Trust God. Trust God in your giving. God says, test me in this and see if I will not open up the windows and pour out blessings from heaven. Now, you might say, I don't want to do it. Let me tell you something. We don't want to force anybody to do anything. We want you to give because you feel led by God to give because your heart is open to him. If you say, I'm going to give, but I'm angry about it, don't, I, I wouldn't do it. But we want you to give because you love God. See, whenever you give, God says, I'm, I'm interested in motives. Now, that doesn't mean that God can't take a, give, a gift that was given by somebody with a sour spirit and use it. Let me tell you something, the person who does that, the giver will not be blessed. So if you give, give because, because you love. Give because you are are willing to do that, not because you feel forced or guilt-tripped into doing it. And I, I'm good at guilt-tripping, but, but that's not what my calling is. My calling is just simply to say, this is what God's Word says, and we're either going to believe it or we're not. But I believe this. I believe others of you, your giving needs to begin with this. Your giving needs to begin with you giving your life to Jesus, giving your heart to Him. So how do I do that? You surrender yourself. You could say, I'm, Jesus, I'm not going to live for me anymore. I'm not going to live according to what, I, what my standards 
but I want to live according to your standards. I want to put myself under the care and the protection of Jesus Christ because he is the only hope in this world. And I'll encourage you to do that. And so I'd just like to close out the service in this way. I'd just like for us to bow our heads and to close our eyes. And, and I really believe that there's some, there's some here today, it is time for you to simply give yourself to Jesus today. And if that's you, then as we pray, why don't you pray silently to the Lord and say, Jesus, today, I am giving myself to you. Jesus, I don't want to live according to my standards. I want to live according to yours. And so I, I know that I've broken your standards. Forgive me, Jesus, my sin. Jesus, today I am claiming my belief in you, that you lived, that you died on the cross for my debt of sin, and that you rose from the grave three days later, conquering death, that I might experience freedom from sin from its penalty. Jesus, save me. I am yours.